Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Still, everything is on fire. Oh, are you talking about just trying to set up this podcast? Because um, <laughs> for the umpteenth time, oh trying God. to get a podcast working between two people who are in reality not that far away, given no, like same in the country. great state of the world, and it's just a case of like it, but it, oh, it, uh, oh. Uh, uh, uh. No one. The hello, entire Scott. pandemic. Hello, hello. The entire <laughs> pandemic. We, you know, we, I thought we'd crack this. I thought yeah. there'd be some sort of way of guaranteeing you could do a remote conversation and just have it work. But no, phone signals, <laughs> video signals, all the weird bitty stuff. But it's all right. I mean, uh, well, this this podcast is sponsored right? by Redfall. Why is it all right? Why is it? Oh, because Redfall's here to save the day with its quality programming. Well, yeah, because Redfall's also on fire and in bits and trying to work in a, a state that's not coming together very well. Um, but yes, this is the entire Panther podcast. The UBP. The UBP. UBP. The UBP. Where we take your latest talking points, latest questions, and whatever you want us to dive into in regards to anything, to be honest, usually gaming, but it can mm-hmm. be whatever. A lot of people writing in um, about the state of Xbox this week. Yeah. Um, did I do our names? Scott Taylor for Jules Gill? I think I did. Do you know what? By now, people either know us or they'll think that we're two idiots <laughs> and they'll have already clicked off, mate. I mean, this is the thing. We are here for the experience, and yes. so too are our audience members who just love <laughs> the ups and downs, the tumultuous nature of technology and us just being absolute tits. That's the, the spe- yeah. Speaking of all those things, mm. um, have you been keeping up with all the Redfall stuff this week? Oh, have I ever! With <laughs> like, uh, I'm drinking from a huge bowl of tea this time around. Just going like, mm-hmm. mm, how deliciously! But <laughs> to be honest, I, I have to actually say, um, Arcane Studios. I actually respect the heck out of them in terms mm-hmm. of the games that they created, like the Dishonored franchise, is mm-hmm. absolutely spectacular. And it is really harsh to see them be just getting miss after miss after miss with these games that they've been putting out. And it's yeah. actually quite a worrying state for Bethesda because Microsoft has obviously invested all this money into them and what have they actually got out of it recently? They've got nothing. There's a weird thing because a lot of people wrote in about um, the state of Xbox because I saw I forget which which website did it and I remember thinking when everything was going sideways the other day I was like someone's going to go with the headline Xbox is done Xbox yeah. needs to be shut yeah. down and whatever and <laughs> <laughs> we missed that but we could have done that um, I did a whole thing um, we did stuff about like Redfall is another AAA disaster I did a whole thing about is the generation a disappointment so far um, which are both on the YouTube you can go find mm-hmm. those things um, but there is a lot of conversation around you know like considering 
the momentum that the original Xbox had, the 360, whatever, and then where we are now. Um, a lot of people sending some questions in, just general talking points about the state of Xbox, the state of first party. Um, you know, uh, Thick Takes says, do we really need AAA games anymore? With indies being the most interesting and worthy financial and time investments all around, do you think most AAA games just aren't necessary? What do you think about, because there was, this is kind of goes alongside mm. the whole thing that came out of the um, Competition and Markets Authority, the whole Xbox Activision deal, that um, some, obviously lots of games cost hundreds of millions of dollars. Yes. Um, some of them balloon up towards a billion dollars, um, the likes of GTA 6 or whatever. Um, I think it's interesting that the top tier of games is actually maybe could go away. Like, What would we really miss? I think that you've got to look at it this way. AAA games, as mm. much as people will have uh, huge issues with the way that they homogenize gameplay itself, try to copy each other, add in microtransactions and other shady marketplace practices, that money that they generate allows the funding of indie games under the umbrella companies and publishers that these larger companies have. Now, obviously, if you go to any of the sort of top-selling games, GTA V is still at the top there. All of the big names are there. You've got your FIFAs, you've got your wrestling games and stuff like mm. that. Like, they aren't really offering anything new, but what they do offer is the salve of the people, effectively like the um, the brainwashing, the opiate of the masses, and that you can <laughs> sit down and play something that should be, in all theoretical uh, assurances, uh, a decent and easy game to like sort of just like churn through. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take that away... What you do is you divide gaming again. Gaming was brought together by these juggernauts. And without right, the likes right. of like uh, a unifying factor, I genuinely think that you will have people that are just disparaging gaming again. They'll say that it's for well, the nerds. It'll say it's for the elite. It will go back into the uh, the corners and the shadows of where we were across the sort of 80s and 90s. Like mm. nowadays, gaming is so popular because it is so popular. And if we take away the top three juggernauts from that, what you're left with is kind of yes amazing storytelling games or uh beautiful gameplay things but not enough eyes on it for it to be as popular as it would be that's interesting in terms of like the communal aspect or like the things because the thing is like if you think about those games i was talking about this with a few of my relatives like the idea like what was the last game that brought everyone together it's pretty much elden ring like i don't feel like god of war yeah, even got last that of us? big Last of Us, yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, I guess like, well, Last of Us 2, like, predates. Oh, you mean like, the year. most recent one? Yeah, Elden Ring yeah, was, yeah, like, like, the, the unifying factor. Like, everyone was talking about it. Yeah, that energy where, like, everyone is playing it. You go to work, you go to school, whatever it is, and everyone's playing something. And um, I feel like the last time that happened was Elden Ring. And I feel like a lot of people are sort of looking forward to Zelda, whatever, that's only on Switch. And it's, like, that whole conversation of, like, how many of those do we have in the pipeline? How many more things are coming mm. that everyone's looking forward to? And, like, that idea of, like, when I said, like, oh, you, you know, could you take them away? I only mean the production level that we have the amount of money that gets put into it oh, you could yeah, still have yeah. the marketing budget behind something like a hi-fi rush or like something like a sifu or yep. whatever and um, reduce the actual amount of money being thrown at these games because nintendo for, for their version of AAA, like the like zelda or whatever um that's not uh, this big opulent over the top you know where they're spending forever getting skin well, textures it's effectively right an else. expansion pack isn't it they've, they've got yeah. the framework already there i'm not like trying to disparage i'm just saying that bolts. it is i'm just saying that it's basically got the core mechanics already established by Breath of the Wild. Mm -hmm. Well, that's it's, the thing. Like, obviously, that lets them save money too. But I think overall, even if you look to like you know Mario Odyssey or something, there's no way that that thing costs as 
much as a God of War Ragnarok or a Suicide yeah. Squad or even Redfall. I mean, like the whole thing with Redfall and the stuff that's coming out about that is that it was Arcane's game that they believed in and uh, Microsoft slash Xbox kind of said like, well, we don't see it. We don't think it's going to do very well, but cool. If you guys think it's got a future, sweet. And obviously it's bombed. Um, and so that's the whole thing that's happening around that. Um, but I think it's that, that whole top tier thing. The gamble is so big. The money is so yeah. much that I would take that away. I would just reduce the echelon down a bit more like the, um, <laughs> they would go that far back, but the 2000s generations or the early 2010s when it didn't cost an arm and a leg just to put a vision together. I guess what it is is that it's trying to, they're all trying to create massive franchises. They're trying to put the work in first so that they can build on with sequels that just basically plug into it. Mm. Um, they want that instant success, uh, but all the work done now rather than having to go, right, for the sequel, we need an even bigger budget to do all the extra bits that we couldn't do in the first game. Mm -hmm. um, but I totally agree. I think that there should be like a limitation on how much money does get spent on these games because at the end of the day, fidelity is one thing, but do 99% of players actually see it outside of a photo mode? If well, you're that concerned with seeing like the reflection on a tiny puddle of water or having a rock have realistic geometry <laughs> mapping sort of thing, mm -hmm. then just apply that feature when you go into a photo mode. Like have it yeah. like switch into like a higher texture pack when it goes into there. Like it doesn't need to be well, in my the thing gameplay. Is like the irony of that is that if the actual scope of the game was smaller, like the Dead, Dead, Dead Island 2 looks phenomenal because it's it does, not bothered yeah. about being a gigantic uh, open world. Is Dead Island 2 a good example because it had like 15 million years to be like made? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? No, I it's don't, not um, in terms of... I just meant in terms of <clears throat> being able to polish a smaller... Like, because obviously one of the biggest genres is open world games. One of the biggest... Like, it's one of the biggest overall, I don't know, uh, projects you could possibly yeah. take on. So I just kind of mean if you reduce the scope overall, then you can do those little polishing techniques. You can do those little things that make it literally shine yeah um I, you don't have I, to worry about yeah. you know every everything else i totally agree with you and i think that there are some even like uh bigger games that you just look at and you go that's just bloat we don't need this mm. in here like um for example not to rag on marvel midnight suns because it's one of my favorite games of the I last year i think it's like actually still amazing they've got a mm -hmm. new dlc pack that's coming out for it and i'm already getting like hype <laughs> for it it's storm storms in it so it's great oh, um, okay yeah but the thing is is that like would i have liked that game any less if they just taken out all of the uh the abbey things of you doing all the social relationship mm. building stuff absolutely not i would have cared one bit could have put right. that onto a football manager spreadsheet and it would have had exactly the same effect <laughs> with me. and it would have saved me time walking around that stupid mansion area bit where you're just kind of like fumbly bumbly like oh i'm <laughs> i'm running i'm running i'm running so fast I, i've got to, i've got to find me plants like it is you know, very like yeah just random menial tasks but i think that how much money that would have saved if they didn't have to create all of mm. the uh, the textures the assets like do all these puzzles come to think of it like that if they mm -hmm. just boiled it down to a menu i would have been just as happy with it and there's so many other games like that where you just look at and think was it necessary is the player getting something out of it and when mm. you can say don't know really maybe atmosphere then just get rid of it like, i'm sorry That's man like it's just it's almost like it is like a question of like focus over time i mean loads yeah. of the stuff that came out of um the recent projects that bioware put together obviously anthem kind of fell apart dragon age is struggling a bit and um, various you know, leaders of different teams have left and everything it, it is very hard like leading a whole project like that for yeah. multiple years um but i feel like that it's it, obviously we're simplifying a problem that is massively complex but at the same time the information is not there like in in terms of like exposure to the video game making process it's very rare that you actually get hands-on or eyes on the big triple a projects 
being turned around. It's such a big multifaceted problem. Um, and obviously a lot of the game devs get annoyed that people have conversations like this and mm. then, oh, they don't know anything. And it's like, no, we don't. I'd love to know way more. Yeah, I, I yeah wish allow us transparency into everything. your lives. Like, because yeah. if, if we got that, then maybe we'd be more understanding. Like at the end of the day, um, I was watching, uh, was it either Young Yeah or Skill Up? I can't mm -hmm. remember who it was this morning who were talking about, Shout out to um, uh, they were talking about uh, Redfall and they mm -hmm. were just saying like, look, at the end of the day, I would rather that you put up a post on Twitter of a JPEG of you just saying, sorry, we're taking the L, we're, it'll be tried, we failed, we're moving on for the next one. Which but I think because, they have now done. But because Arcane have just been like, oh, we want to support this game for like, this is going to be our biggest supported game. Everyone's like, no, don't do that. This isn't the one. Like, move on. Just accept it. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't the one. But that's and the weird thing as well, is that at the end of all these massive dev cycles, it's like they can't be salvaged. There's something in there. There's something in the energy of a release like this when it drops and it face plans so hard where people just like go, no, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah Avengers, yeah. Anthem, whatever. Um, we don't want it to be salvaged. It worked with Cyberpunk because there was enough investment either in CDPR or in the anime that came back around. Yeah. That's managed to salvage itself. No Man's Sky managed to salvage itself because there was enough of a core there. Do you know what it was? Um, I think that the reason that um, uh, Cyberpunk managed to carry on was because CD Projekt Red has a track history of showing people games that weren't perfect at launch mm. and then went on to fix them. Like mm. um, The Witcher, people often forget this. When it came out, it was not in a great shape. It took totally. the Game of the Year edition for that to be an actual decently playable game. Game. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, they patched loads of Witcher 3. Yeah, and I think that with No Man's Sky as well, the fact that they just said nothing and just went away quietly and did mm -hmm. it, they didn't make a huge uh, like PR statement about we're going to fix this game because it was mm -hmm. almost like you're adding more fuel to the fire at that point. But you know what you were saying before about actually salvaging a game? That reminded me of a game that is doing the rounds at the moment that mm -hmm. is turning heads, had a small minuscule budget, and yet has the potential to be that game that you were talking about, and that's Dredge. Dredge right. is the game that could capture the cultural phenomenon if it was marketed and had a bigger budget of those AAA games. Mm -hmm. Because you see anyone talking about it. They have got nothing but good things to say about it. The atmosphere, the horror, the art direction, all of it looks, mm -hmm. plays, sounds, is great, you know? It's one of those games, like, we've, we've talked about, me and Josh mentioned it on uh, The Wind-Up, which, which will be live by the time this podcast goes live. Oh, um, I like get yeah, timey-wimey shenanigans. I know, it's because it was, we had a whole, t again, technical governs with recording a podcast where we couldn't get it out. Uh, the day. Um, but still, that'll be up by the time this goes live. But yeah, we're not sponsored by Dredge whatsoever, but every single person that I know is either playing it or has heard of it, or it is that game where someone's like, oh, I keep hearing about that. I should play it. And it's like that energy is what will carry something to a word of mouth success like an Among Us or whatever, like a yeah. Fall Guys for a bit. And it's then on them to maintain so it. The, so the question is, what stops Dredge from being... Redfall. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like mm. in terms of the failure, but Redfall was so hyped up. It captured See, so many people's attention. Is it because it just looked good? As in, like the graphics were the thing? Because then we go back to the thing of how do you actually market a game? Do you market it on the graphics or the gameplay? And mm -hmm. it does seem that. Uh, well, then it's like, I'm what not, am I buying the console for? Yeah, the thing is, I'm not. I'm not saying that like uh, the general gaming public at large are, are silly people, but I'm just saying <laughs> when you look at the greatest selling games, there mm -hmm. is a common homogeneity between them where it's like we're not going to challenge you. This is what you want. This is what you've paid for, and it looks mm. and it looks great. It may be shallow as a puddle of sick when it comes to the gameplay, <laughs> but you will puke your guts out about how good this looks. Right. I think that's. Well, that's always the thing about refining gameplay over time. I think, mm. I don't know what the highest selling game of all time is. It's something like Tetris or the original Mario or something. Um, but yeah, I think that whole way of like, you know, what do you focus on kind of thing. The idea of Dredge replacing Redfall, um, if that was what Xbox got behind. I mean, they kind of did with the likes of Pentamon, um, Wild West or Weird West or whatever that game was oh, called. Yeah, there there have been a couple of recent um, games. They, that were, they always like downplayed it. They never yeah. said that this is the reason to buy an Xbox because it is an exclusive or this mm. is thing. Like, And Pentamon does look amazing, but there's just... 
I don't know. They always that's not going to make these, you get a Series X. I like, don't know. They always all. they always market it in a way that is kind of like we have Halo, we have Gears of War, we have Game Pass, and we've also got these little indie titles that you can just uh, uh, like faff around with for a bit. And that's the problem <laughs> is that Microsoft needs to step up and say like, look. The PC is the home of modding, of communities, mm. and of most people's like work and game relationships. Let's make that the focus. Let's say like these indie games that are coming out, we're not even going to call them indies anymore. We're going to call mm. them like the superstars, the reason to buy an Xbox. Well, like they may not look or push the graphics engine of your console to the limits, but the gameplay will be unique. It will be bespoke to you. Mm. That's why I think they're in a weird like quagmire with this because mm. they've sold what they're marketing as the most powerful console in the world or whatever, but they don't have a single game that can show it off. No Microsoft games are on Game Pass, yeah. like other yeah. than the obviously the ones that are out right now, but like the ones that people talk about, Pentiment, even Hi-Fi Rush, like that's not them. That's what they bought. That was Tango Gameworks and Bethesda. Yeah, that's true. Like yeah. you know, it's that whole thing where it's like, what have I bought this system for? And I think that so they so you think they've marketed it wrong by using that? Well, it's because obviously like Sony had like the for the players campaign uh, mm. with the. PS4? Was it the PS3? Yeah, yeah. I can't it's kind of carried actually. over, but it's PS4's where it came <laughs> kind in. Kind of. It has a, yeah, yeah. But like, <laughs> like with that, with Microsoft, because they were just like tech, 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 people now expect it to be the next mind-blowing thing. And that's yes. probably why Redfall got the imagination captured, because it was just like, it looked on paper amazing. It could do well, it's all It's Arcane's next thing, yeah. Exactly. Whereas like, if they had just gone the other way and just said like, no, the uh, console is going to be the home for bespoke gaming, for that well, that's, curated that's... tale that is just, you're never going to find anywhere else well that's that's the selling point of game pass but it's weird because that mm. clashes like that, for me the perfect version of a game in terms of budget production turnaround whatever is pretty much hi-fi rush where like yeah. it's it's you know it's beautiful it's memorable it shadow drops and there's no expectations people just check it out because they already have access to it because it's on game pass they give it a shot it's brilliant it plays really well and it's very recommendable and it's designed to be completed it's not designed to leach you for the next half a year with microtransactions and whatever oh, which redfall again is going to do yeah and, and that also do. feels like that kind of game whereas yeah. hi-fi rush feels like a, a video game doesn't feel like a life choice to play it every single day or whatever mm. and so but I, I think that jars with like you know how big of a production can you put on those games um to make it that they're really eye widening eyeball turning games yeah. or do you go down the humble route and just say look this is a curated thing every month you get something and keep your eyes on game pass because we'll have something brilliant every month yeah and um, that also jars with the big triple a we're building up to this guys you know starfield is their next thing um, and it's just, to me, the, the approach doesn't work. Do you think that it's because as the budgets escalate, there's kind of like, you know, you have like Kickstarter tier systems where it's like mm. once you pledge amount, you get this and blah, blah, blah. Do you think it's like the inverse thing for game development where it's like, okay, we're going to spend uh, $100,000 on your game. You must deliver us this sort of type of game, a bespoke mm. kind of like unique storytelling experience. But we're going to now give you a million dollars to it. <laughs> so that means you've got to figure out ways of making that money back quicker. And that mm -hmm. comes with the attachments of, well, how do you make money back in this day and age? Oh, we've got to add microtransactions. We've got to make it a live service game. We've got to do this. I mm -hmm. genuinely think that games like Suicide Squad and Redfall started out very different on paper. Like That's I can imagine that it was like a, yeah. a spiritual successor uh, to Left 4 Dead or something like that would have been the core concept or Suicide Squad would have been like uh, a multiplayer Batman Arkham game. Like those things sound brilliant in that single sentence. But mm -hmm. as soon as you're trying to extrapolate them with the budgets that they require to make them happen or because the publishers say you need to make this amount of money with this project mm -hmm. you start having to make a, a concessions for it and that's where every game ends up feeling the same because yeah. everyone just goes well that worked here we have to make our game work therefore our game has to be that game 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think as well, the longer they, the whole thing that's emerging around Redfall is that it has been in development, I think, for five years. I think it started in And that's going to just spur the budget. Like, it, yeah, like exactly. five years is not, a, I know it's a fairly short-ish time for development in the grand scheme Ish. of thing. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, every single year that passes, somebody's going to be saying, right, well, that is another bill you've got to pay. Plus, if that fails, imagine putting five years of your life into a project and it fails in, what, an hour? Like, I mean, oh, everyone, yeah. when everyone like, saw Redfall, it was immediately dead. Yeah, like, I, you know, I, I hate yeah. the fact that there are like um, developers, artists, um, people who are programmers that have worked countless hours, probably gone through crunch culture because let's mm-hmm. face it, it has not gone away just because we're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. And they are probably just sitting there going, well, thanks for absolutely crapping on every <laughs> bit of work that I've done or because it just didn't mesh together well at the end or because somebody decided to pull the trigger on this earlier than that's, it was ready to go. That's always been my wider thing with gaming when I talked about exposure to the creation process. Like games are on fire until the last closing months of development if you're lucky. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I mean, God of War, like uh, Corey Barlog talked about how that game was an absolute mess until about two months before launch, the 2018 reboot, mm-hmm. and where all these disparate parts don't knit together until they explicitly do right at the close of development because yeah. everyone's making all these different bits and I'm like that's the thing that the public need to know because yeah. it's like you need to change all the marketing stuff and I, for me I would factor the public into the making of a lot more like you get a lot more making of movie trailers you get yeah. glimpses of stuff and um, it should always be the thing I think I've mentioned this on podcasts and stuff but it should always be the thing that people are looking are hoping you're going to hit it you remove yeah. pre-order culture altogether and you just you know you try and hope to hit this target and even if it fluctuates at least people know what they're expecting yeah totally agree do you remember when um, uh, EA put out the uh, the 
new skate making of or mm. where we are tra- uh, trailer mm. or like even just featurette. It mm. basically just said like, it's coming, it's here, it is not ready. And they showed all <laughs> of the, like the gameplay issues that they had with it. And mm. that was so endearing to see a company not present a polished and ready for play uh, spectacle or a fake slice of life trailer that just mm-hmm. didn't, uh, will never live up to what the game was going to be. It was reality. I then looked at the recent gameplay trailer that they put out where they're talking about parkour and yes. how you can use that to traverse the level. And because the animations in there are so absolutely wonky and janky, I didn't even draw attention. I didn't even like. It didn't even register that that was a problem because they mm-hmm. had informed me that this was still a work in progress. That it was well, not, not the be all and end all. Like, yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna, that's unfinished, guys. They'd be like, I know. That's, yeah, what we, yeah. that's, that's, that's literally what we're telling you. We, we told you this. <laughs> like, it's not ready to go yet. I am curious how much the the average person, the average game of the average consumer would respond to that stuff. But I just, I, that's one of my, that would be one of my solutions to the overall problem of scope creep or things getting yeah. bigger and bigger. Like, you try and keep it. The thing is, like, the worst version of it is um, Star Citizen. That game is yeah. still in development yeah. and that keeps yeah. getting things bolted onto it. And they've tried to be, well, in theory, they've tried to be open about what they're doing, but they're just, the amount of money that thing has taken yeah. and stringing people along and stringing people along long um i don't know but i just feel like there is a problem at the triple in the triple a space i feel like things take way too long yeah. and they fail way too fast and way too hard i'm not gonna like uh have 100 of the blame put on the publisher and developer though in a rare mm. turn i am gonna say that we too are part of the problem i'm not saying that you and i personally i'm just saying that <laughs> there is a reactive gamer mentality that comes yes. up where if something isn't the best thing since slice jesus it is the worst thing and review bomb scores with negative press tours with people doing rage bait uh click mm. stuff like it's mm. uh, for, for the views i do think that there is a cycle of hate that can generate out of small problems now redfall admittedly the people who worked on it do not deserve the hate because they no. tried their bloody best no one sets out to make a bad game unless you are an asset flipping monster but <laughs> at the end of the day they have released a bad game Mm-hmm. Now, what we should be doing is saying, this is a bad game, it deserves all the critique, but at the end of the day, people behind it do not deserve any of the hate. And we yeah. too, as a That's community, should be looking at it and saying, hey, Arcane, let's not burn your offices to the ground just yet. Let's see if you can actually fix this. Because this game may not be for me, it may not be for you, it may not be for the masses out there, but I do believe that they have a, they deserve the chance to put their game out in the, to the marketplace, mm-hmm. th- to the vision that they originally had it that's for. that's the interesting bit because that's when we when I mentioned before No Man's Sky salvaging itself, Cyberpunk salvaging mm. itself. Those games, to me, especially No Man's Sky, had a core that was worth refining and and, and showcasing. Yeah. There was always something there. That's the question on Redfall: is is there anything? Yeah, there? D- is there does, actually doesn't something? have anything good. Yeah. Is there a kernel of truth within this sort of thing? Because I always find that like <clears throat> there are, like I said, the hate bandwagon stuff. There's obviously a lot of clicks in that. Where we don't, we're very much going to take yeah, advantage sure. of that as well. Um, it is just the business of it to some degree. But you, like you said, without going too far, it's not like we're slagging off developers in the in the video. It's mm-hmm. very much about the game the product um but it's always that thing of like yeah what can be turned around um and i always think that part of the cycle it does start with the oh my god this thing sucks what the hell let's kind of laugh about it, how ridiculous this is mm-hmm. and hope that it gets fixed we at least will cover stuff in underrated games overlooked games whatever there's always that part of the cycle where enough people go this thing wasn't actually that bad all this thing's yeah. fixed now yeah. and it kind of comes back around um but only with the games that have those salvageable cores and yeah. i just wonder if this does i don't think it does i'm yet to actually play it but looking at the hands-on stuff um, I watched that skill review as well um, where he was just saying like I would rather you guys moved on because yeah. there's not a core yeah. to refine here yeah. um, which is that's fascinating that Xbox first party got there but obviously they bought it so it's not like a you know it wasn't from the ground up Xbox kind of thing 
Next question, let's, we'll change tact a little bit. Okay. Um, question from Mouse Hands, who says, Hello, metalheads. My wife and I are going to go to a big metal concert next week. Necrogoblicon. What a, what a oh, pick. What a ne- pick. Mate, Necrogoblicon <laughs> are amazing. It's one of he those says, bands. Well, I was like, sorry, I will get back to the question. I'll just it. say, the, um, uh, the first uh, song that I heard of theirs was the one where the goblin character is trying to date a woman at work and he gets bullied by like this other guy. And so he <laughs> takes it upon himself after drinking too much shots in which there is a montage of him slamming shooters like like he's like playing drums like <laughs> he then goes and Inside kills the- him in the parking lot and at the very end the woman comes out to see the mangled corpse of her sort of romance uh, partner from um, uh-huh. uh, the office and he turns to her and just goes shrugs and goes eh? <laughs> <laughs> So good. So he says, I uh, got my shirt picked out, ear protection, and I've been stretching. Do you have any pre-concert rituals or advice for concert goers over 30? Ooh, that is a tough one because you know ear what? Protection as soon as, definitely as, something, yeah. as soon as you get to 30, man, every bone in your body just goes like, oh, I want to break now. And every ligament in your knees just goes like, nah, give it up. I've given you 30 worn, years of sitting down, mate. Yeah, I haven't woke up without an ache in years. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be 34, like in July. But um, yeah, I, I don't really have like pre-concert rituals. I sort of just throw myself into it and then I get the like thing in your ears for like Wait, the days after. you don't after. even use ear protection? I don't. I never Brother, did. I was always come like, on. well, that's the thing. This I never is did big it. light energy here. Again. But I was like, well, but, but surely there's a there's a governmental reason to not ruin all of our ears. Why is that? Why is it that loud? If it's actually going to do you damage, dude. It's it like that. Uh, it's giving you tinnitus. Like you, do, you, should, you should not. You should not be messing around with your ears, dude. Like, like at the end of the day, like it's. It reminds me of that scene of Man to Man with Dean Lerner when Richard Ayoade says, "Like I've got terrible tinnitus." It sounds. It sounds like this, but less sarcastic. <laughs> See, the thing is, no, but like I don't. I genuinely don't understand that. Why do we have to wear it? Surely it's on the health and safety people to not blow like, our ears out. Do you think they actually care? Like, like, well, they should they legally. Like, they have to. What are you, you going to do? Say I went deaf at a Def Leppard concert. Like, oh, the irony. Like, it's, it's just, I am the Def Leppard. It's it's just one of those things where I'm not entirely sure that the that your personal health and safety has been really accounted for at these metal gigs where they literally try to play as loud and as fast as possible. Do yourself a favor. Just next time, just pop the little foamies in, man. Like, like right. I'm, I'm not trying oh, to be a prude on this, but it's like I went to enough gigs when I was young and all of my friends, like they actually, no, Carrie doesn't anymore. wear them. Carrie doesn't wear them, but well, she has tinnitus. So- she has tinnitus. So those, those <laughs> things are like, I'm right. <laughs> Well, my thing is, I want to hear the best sound quality possible. Surely putting the little foamies in go is going to... Go listen to them on CD then, mate. What are you doing? Well, no, but I, I want to see them live. But I just, like, I don't... Surely putting little foam things in means that it's, like, muffled. Like, if I was it, talking to you through foam... Yeah, right. Like, it does It does give it, like, a noise gate sort of thing. And it does change well, it. Makes but, any but, sense. But, but at the end of the day, are you really... And I'm not saying that. I'm saying this with peace and love, mate. Do are it. you really missing out much? Do you have, like, a musical ear? Are you the next, like, Tchaikovsky where you've got, like, this perfect <laughs> pitch thing, like... Like you just know because if not and you aren't like well tuned and well trained uh-huh. like, just, just I mean I've not, I've, not it. I've not tried this yet I just for me it's just if I'm paying money to see a band live that I love like Alderbridge or whoever yeah. I want to see them I want to hear them I don't want to muffle it for me it seems counterintuitive to go see a band live and then reduce the ability okay. the, the live music but but you're watching the experience and you're feeling it like I don't know I yeah. I, I wear um, that's what it sounds like and I think it's I don't <laughs> actually feel like I miss out anything at all I'm right 
I love going to gigs and I am very much a case of if there is like a massive pit there, I may get involved. Like I'm a, I'm right, a fairly right. tall guy. I can usually handle myself. But uh-huh. recently, because I'm older, I've just been like, okay, let's have a scout around the venue. Do I know it well? Do, do the people that I'm mm. going with know this venue well? Where's the best place to stand to both see and hear that requires me to do absolutely no movement whatsoever <laughs> apart from nod my head? Because we went to go and see um, Alexis on Fire in, God, I can't remember which uh, venue it was in Cardiff. Mm. But that was great because everyone that we uh, that I went with found this perfect thing where the lip of the first, um, what's it called? The first uh, level um, yes. was right down there. So the music basically just like hits the top of that, angles itself down effectively. So you're just standing there, perfect audio chords. You can see the entire stage. No mm-hmm. one's around you. And I was just like, oh, this is brilliant. Now I can just have a good old this- sing along. There is definitely a wider conversation to be had about the expectations of a gig. When you're a, when you're a kid, it's like all your expectations are based off like movies and stuff. And it's like and I just want to get the, to the front. I just want to get yeah, to the get front, to the front, do whatever. And like <clears throat> I've always kind of done a mix of those things. But I, these days, I'll take just standing to the side as long as I'm close enough to make sure that's actually them, the people yeah. I know <laughs> yeah. playing. That's yeah. always my golden rule. What have I paid for? Because if I'm yeah. at the back, it could be anybody. So I'm always like I want to be at front enough so I can actually see stuff. And also because I play guitar, I want to maybe try and learn something from the guitarist. Maybe yeah. learn like oh that's actually how they play that or whatever. So like that's me, um, but yeah, I've not ever worn ear protection, which is I I, I don't think I should need to. Okay, well that's that's my me. ritual. My ritual would be uh, meet up with your friends at least uh, an hour and a half before the gig. Get mm-hmm. some food in you. Get a pint or two. Oh, down definitely you, that, Yeah. Then go uh, to the uh, venue. I would say the ritual should be make sure you see at least one of the supporting acts because you never know. You may find them. I have not found anyone decent <laughs> recently, if I'm honest, but I'm just saying, at least give them a try. Yes, I, yeah, I, that was always the thing where I was like, oh, you have to go to the sporting act because then you can get further to the front and then you're already at the front when the main yeah. band comes on. Um, but yeah, there's, I'm too old, like I'm too crusty for like most gig stuff where like there's always someone with two pints, two drinks trying to get past you oh, in that awkward man. shuffle. Yeah, 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 I hate all yeah, that yeah, stuff yeah. so much now. I've done it way too much. Um, they always want to do it during the guitar solo so I can't watch anything I'm a proper old man about it where it's just I'm just too annoyed my favourite one is that you uh, you bring people because like you and I we're fairly tall like yes. and it's a case of just like you always have shorter friends so you go to a gig and you stand there and the other tall people will always stand in front of the shorter of your friends it's like dude stand in front of me I can at least see a little bit more than that but it's like um there's always of, a tall uh, one person. Our, uh, one of our friends, uh, Kat, she basically, whenever she goes there, she's like, can't see anything because she's like <laughs> like five foot nothing. She's just like, yep, okay, cool. I love seeing the back of these people's shirts. <laughs> what was your uh, sweatiest gig? What was the most you ever just oh, got completely I went, carried away? I went to uh, go see uh, Horror, um, H09909, okay. um, and I had the best time of my life, but that was just, a, you were fighting for your <laughs> life at 24-7, man. You were just punching, <laughs> kicking, biting, you were gnawing on the, the acrid air. The sweat that was just like flying around. I felt like Pac-Man. I was just like, ang, 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 ang. <laughs> that thing where the air becomes like solid, where it's oh. just like, cause I, I saw Bring Me the Horizon on the Sempaternal tour um, at my university at the time. I don't know if I've mentioned this on a podcast before, but um, that was the sweatiest gig by far. Everyone's yeah. shirts were a second skin yeah. and we could barely see the air, uh, see the band. The, um, uh, at the ex- in Exeter, there used to be a, um, uh, a venue called The Cavern, which could hold a maximum of like 30 people. It was like the most lo-fi grungy. It was literally underground as well, hence the name. I can be and so to be it was hot to begin <laughs> with. And I remember just like, I remember, this is back in the day when I used to have hair. Not only did right. I have hair, but I had a mohawk as well. I mean, that's oh, uh, what? Kid, you should yeah, bring that bra- back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, try that, mate. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. What can I do? Just uh, uh, what's Just take it, it um, on. Who's the guy? Um, oh, mate, his name's escaped me now, but he's uh, got a, like Sean a skullet. <laughs> like, I think okay. Like a, um, <laughs> but basically, um, 
I was there dancing and I could feel even with like the industrial strength glue that I'd used to stick up these spikes <laughs> that it was like fading and dripping down. And by the end of the night, my sweat was so sticky because of the hair gel I... and like the the, um, the stiffening thing, sort of agents <laughs> in there. I was just like, oh my God, my friend. <laughs> you just glued all your, your one giant friendship group. You'll leave us it's one because so you will arrive together. Man. So stanky. <laughs> um, we will wrap the podcast right now. We've both got sure. loads of stuff on. So apologies for a bit of a shorter podcast this week. And a massive thank you to everybody for sending in their various questions we'll uh, do a rollover for next week because yes. we had a load of Be- different things because otherwise right now it looks like we've only had three questions and we've just tried yes. to stretch them out that is not the case people Don't have been point very it out, very Jules. Look, we did we lovely big in-depth <laughs> questions for that first one um, course, but yeah we should say as well uh, thank you very much uh, pg uh, quips because yeah, every single week we come in there is a meme and a half that makes <laughs> us do a big old belly laugh and this week's one was brilliant so thank yeah, you yeah genuinely that. massive shout out to pg quips always in the feed and um, if anyone else wants to laugh go check out the stuff that's in the response uh, the response tweet thread because um, there's some great stuff in there but a massive thank you to everybody like I said we'll roll these over next week providing nothing else ridiculous happens in the industry um, I'm looking we'll just... at my calendar mate I am here uh-huh. next Friday good here, finally ready for it we will do a full on Friday providing no other games burst into flames oh, we will get God. to everyone else's questions uh, in a week's time but genuinely massive thank you to everybody this has been the UBP the UBP the UBP, the UBP. I've been Scott Tilford that's been Jules Gill I have indeed and remember next Thursday we'll be putting out the call for questions where you can check out Scott or myself's Twitter handles at RetroJ with a zero for me or you can follow <laughs> at, at a slash LP89 for Scott. Be beautiful. Thanks again and we'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. warbyparker.com covered.